1: Trigger warning the following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence, sexual assault, and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy.
2: All right, so I get to tell you about a true crime this time. The tables have turned. My, how the turntables. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited. Um, I have no idea what the story is. Uh, no concept of anything. So we'll see if I, I'm wondering if I'll know it like halfway through. Cause there's been a few that I've told you where you've been like, Oh, I, I know what we're talking about right now. So like well, the light yeah.
2: goes off. You're like, Oh, this one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: So, yeah. and, um, I was excited to not have to do any research, especially <laughs> after all the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard stuff we've t- I've done lately. I was like, this oh is God. a nice little break.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do like painstaking research because I know that's what I was saying. I'm like, I'm at like 10 pages of notes. And you're like, that's nothing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. No, I'm at 20. <laughs> those two-parters, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
2: Um, okay, so what are you drinking today?
1: Okay, so I um am... A fool. I was telling Sasha about this earlier. I thought I'd have time to grab wine, um, but I did not. So I had a bottle left um, from the airport. Um, (laughs) So this is a nice glass from New York City. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, your wine, I'm sure will be better caliber and better to recommend. So I'll just let you like take it.
2: <laughs> um, well, yes, we did pick this out from an actual wine store, not the airport, but it's called Taken. Um, oh, that yeah, gives me Remember this one? I know. So yeah, a mm-hmm. little hint, hint. Um, and it's a cab. It's like 65% cab. Um, it's like, again, all the things, spicy, jammy, berry, uh, plummy, And I've already had a few sips of it, so that's why I can tell you it's pretty good. Um, I was saying, like, I think my palette has shifted towards like I really like really old cabs, but now that it's getting to be summer, this is like a nice light cab 65. Mm -hmm. So, uh, $30, and um, yeah, it's great. I like it. I don't like this, (laughs) I wish I could share.
1: It's fine. It's okay. You're gonna drink all the good bottles before I um before we're back in the studio together.
2: No, no, no. I have a huge box, like literally under my desk right now. A huge box of new wines. I found. Here. Oh. And you'll be able to find them too. Everyone that's, that's so excited be able to find them. They're very accessible, and oh. I'm very excited. So, I'm excited. Yes. Um, I know that there is so much to like go over. I'm like really. Ready to go. So, okay. okay. Um, it's Wednesday, November 10th, 2010. And I've, I'm have i like familiar with this area. Um, this takes place in Mount Vernon, Ohio, which is just outside of Columbus, Ohio. It's about an hour away. It's um, a really cute town. Um, it's about 15, 16, 17,000 people. So okay. it's like a pretty close-knit community. There's also um like other smaller surrounding towns so like if you think of columbus being like the large metro area then an hour away is like this size and then outside of that's kind of rural so um yeah so it's wednesday november 10th 2010 and greg borders is sleeping on the couch him and his girlfriend um have broken up tina herman Um, She told him she was going to move out um, and he gets up to go to work at 345 in the morning. He actually kind of worked near Columbus, outside of Columbus. Um, So about an hour away. Um, So he gets up, he goes to work um, and then Tina gets up and she's getting the kids ready. So 13 year old Sarah and 11 year old Cody Um, and Tina works actually at the Dairy Queen. So she has a shift at four and she's going to meet her friend. Um, She's going to meet... Stephanie, um, and they're going to like, I've, there's kind of conflicting reports. Like she was supposed to be moving out, whether that was actually that day or they were just house hunting that day, she was Mm going to meet up with her friend, Stephanie. They were going to, um, help find a new place. So, um, her shift begins at, her shift begins at four. So she doesn't show up for a shift and her friend Valerie is concerned, of course. So, um, you know, Valerie calls the police. They want, um, she wants the, the police to go over and do a check, do a welfare check um, actually it's the sheriff cause it's Knox County. So, um, the sheriff goes out and I think they may have gone out more than once. It's kind of unclear. They were going to check throughout the night to see if maybe Tina came home later. And, um, also the kids, Cody and, um, Sarah are from a previous relationship. Um, so they're going to be moving out with Tina as well. Mm,
1: Okay. And I have a dumb, I have what may be a dumb question. The sheriff. Um, so you said because it's Knox County, it was the sheriff. Uh, Do you know why it it would be the sheriff and not like just the normal police officers?
2: I don't remember if it's like a township or police or what, like, I know the sheriff throughout this, um, investigation. Mm. It's the sheriff's office that does majority of it. Um, so, that's why I believe, like, because it's the county sheriff that mm-hmm. gets called in for this kind of thing. So, they go, they um, take a look around. There's no answer. The house looks empty, but nothing's, like, um, amiss. So, um, the next day, um, Tina also has another shift, but she doesn't show up for that shift either. And that's when Valerie knows, like, something is super, super wrong. Yeah. Um, also, no one has heard from Greg. Um, he... Uh, You know, went to work at 345 in the morning on Wednesday, and he's not there either. So, um, again, she was supposed to maybe move out that day. And so, this house was like, where's everyone at? It doesn't look undisturbed, but um, Valerie knew, like, this is not okay because Tina didn't show up for work. And this is day two of her missing her shift again. So, Valerie's super concerned. Again, like, the sheriffs were there the night before checking. Nothing's amiss. But... Mm -hmm. Um, no one can find Tina Where's she at? She's missing work. Her kids were at school on Wednesday. Um, and this is Thursday and she's missing her shift. So Valerie calls her again and no answer. Um, so Valerie's super concerned. It's time for Valerie to go. She goes to the house actually. And she knows, um, she's friends with Tina. So she knows that there's a window in the back, um, that kind of has like a loose spring where she knows she can get in through it. So she goes in through the back window. Mm-hmm. This is like terrifying to me. Like, obviously the true crime, like junkie and me is like, I will, Uh, Oh, just like uh, deep breath. She goes inside and of course there's blood. She calls the sheriff right away. There is, there is blood. It's a bloody, bloody scene. Um, she, she calls the sheriff from inside the house. There's trails of blood through the house, like as if, um, bodies were dragged and they're all kind of being dragged to the bathroom is like the central location. um, So the sheriff um, is called out, obviously, um, crime scene investigation and um, is called to the scene and they describe it as a slaughterhouse. It looks horrendous. Um, And there's no trace of Tina. There's no trace of the kids. uh, And there's no trace of Greg. Uh, uh, Tina's truck is gone, actually. So um, they don't know like how or where anyone is. This is such a bloody scene. Um, But... Stephanie's Jeep is in Tina's garage. So Stephanie again was coming to meet Tina and they were going to maybe go look at houses or start moving stuff. Um, And uh, Stephanie's Jeep is in the garage. Um, So police put out an APB for Tina's truck. Um, They're on the lookout for that. They call the kids school. The kids were at school on Wednesday um, and they were absent on Thursday, Thursday, the 11th. Oh, weird. So now we know Tina Cody, Stephanie, and Sarah are all missing. Um, and the, the police kind of suspect, I say police and sheriff interchangeably. and no, they're not interchangeable. Um, like I said earlier, I think primarily the investigation was done by the sheriff's office. Mm. Um, but um, either way, they're suspecting it's like a possible domestic violence situation. Obviously this is like yeah. we talked about it. It's the most dangerous time if you're leaving a relationship um, and you know, Greg, no one's heard or seen Greg since 345 when he left for work. He worked outside of Columbus, like it's almost an hour away, but like, where is he at? So they start to try to track him down. Like they really want to find Greg. Um, he actually does return to Mount Vernon on Thursday. And can you imagine he's just been gone for a day? Like, um, he comes back and police bring him in for questioning. And he admits, he's like, Yep, yeah, my relationship was deteriorating, deteriorating. She's moving out. Um, But he has a rock solid alibi. He's actually seen like not only like on the on the warehouse video um, for he works for Target's warehouse. Um, He's seen at work on video. He's actually seen stopping for beer. He heads to a friend's house. He actually he goes golfing with them. Um, So it's pretty quick like that. He's ruled out as a suspect, actually. Um,
1: So he's not missing at all.
2: He's not missing. He just went to work and was like staying away from the house. um, It was just that day like that, you know, they were kind of on the the outs. So um, I'm so thankful for him. I'm sure he's very thankful that he had a rock solid alibi because that's how they were able to clear him pretty quick.
1: Yeah, because like otherwise, like, of course, it's always
2: like the husband, the boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's the day she's like leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Suspicious. So um, it's not too long after that, that the deputies actually find Tina's truck near a hiking trail. And again, if you think of Mount Vernon, like it's kind of um, it's kind of like woodsy out in Ohio. So um, there's hiking trails and lots of trees, kind of like wooded areas. But they do find Tina's truck. It's near It's about six miles from her house. So not too far. Um, And they take her truck into the police station but that truck doesn't have any evidence either. There's like nothing for them to, no clues, no, nothing. So there's still four missing people, and the community is uh, up in arms because, obviously, they're tight knit community. Um, but a mother and two kids, and her best friend Stephanie, um, they're all missing. So Stephanie had a boyfriend as well, and um, police and volunteers are mobilizing. They bring him in for questioning because. They they get a tip that Stephanie's boyfriend is digging in his backyard near a garden, and they're like, "That's not okay." So they bring him in for questioning. They go and they dig up um, what he like where he had been digging, and yeah. oh, it's like an animal. Yeah. So okay, he was digging in the backyard, and again, there's like so many coincidences here. He was burying the pet rabbit. He was just digging, and he was burying stuff. And so the um, sheriff actually d- had to dig, and they found. They're rabbits. So Funny. that's so yeah. sad. No, but I oh, mean, but at least
1: it was a pet bunny. It,
2: yeah. We're yeah, still on the lookout for, uh, you know, the missing four. Mm-hmm. um, so CS- CSI is like, again, processing the scene. And as I mentioned, it's a really bloody scene. There's drag marks from the house that are leading to the bathroom from Tina's bedroom, from Sarah's bedroom, from the front door. And they all come, um, into the bathroom and uh, there's actually a small remnants of um, tissue in the bathroom, and so they know that that cannot be good. Um, there was actually two, um, you know, like in a shower with the shower curtain inside of the shower, like you can see like where a watermark what is, if you yeah. like fill your bath, um, except for it was two inches high of like a blood stain. So they knew that there was a lot of blood left at the scene, and they are looking probably for um, bodies instead of yeah. Yep. Yeah, they suspect homicide, and they also suspect dismemberment because again, it's all in the bathroom. Yeah. So this is day um, three days of investigation, and they still don't have any solid leads. Like they've cleared both the boyfriends. Um, And so they're back kind of at the drawing board. They're going through all of the crime scene evidence. So at this
1: point, I would be thinking it's like gang related in that sense, like just because of like the dismemberment and like dragging them into like, that's so like, it's either that, or there was a crime in Canada a few years ago where this guy, he had a grudge against his ex employer. That's what they assume was what happened, but him and his wife um, and their grandchild Was kidnapped from the house, and then they found out um, like weeks later. I think it was that he'd been dismembered by this like disgruntled ex employee, along with yeah his his wife and his his grandchild. So like, it's reading to me like it's either like a mob thing or it's like one deranged person that that like randomly did this. But that's always so rare, you know.
2: I know, right? And the thing is too, like in this community and in this time, like this is kind of the the height of like it's not that it's not a crisis now, but. Um, I think of like opium and meth. Like this is definitely that it's a it's a smaller community. So like there's a lot of drug issues um, yeah. as there were like nationwide. But that's like a great point that uh, like who could have done this? This is so brutal. So.
0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: They're going through all the evidence again, and they find in the in the garage, they come back to like this um, Walmart bag, and in it has tarps and trash bags. And I um, noticed like... Well, obviously it's from Walmart. And so there's, I'm pretty sure there's one Walmart in, um, Mount Vernon. They go to Walmart and they look through the inventory. They want to know, like, was this purchased recently? And as fate may have it, they find the actual transaction and not just that transaction. They have security footage. Oh man. I know. So the man seen on security footage, um, is in a camo t-shirt. It's just before midnight on November 10th. So, um, Wednesday. Yeah. uh, Wow. Wednesday night. Um, right before they all go missing on Thursday, like for sure. Right before they're all definitely missing on Thursday. In, so they're going through all the evidence again, right? They, they need something to break this case open. Mm-hmm. And they find tarps and trash bags in a Walmart sack in the garage. And so, you know, they're going to chase this one down. They go to Walmart and they actually do see that Walmart has these items in their inventory, Uh, Not only that, they were recently purchased and their security footage. So they pull the footage and um, they find um, a man just casually shopping. So he's, you know, goes about Walmart. He looks pretty comfortable like navigating the store. He's not like looking around for things. And um, so they suspect that he's local. Like he's been there to that Walmart before and he's in a camo t-shirt. He checks out, he leaves the store and his car drives away um and it's just kind of i've seen that footage just like in the corner of the frame so it's not like they have this like a ton of information on his vehicle but you know they kind of recognize what um type vehicle it is it's a toyota um yaris and they compare it to all of the toyota yaris's registered um in the area and they actually get a hit like i just feel like in this case (laughs) they have hit like they keep hitting like each each step like this could have gone unsolved to be honest like yeah hadn't chased this down and had such a match and not only do they have a match to a man that looks the same on his driver's license he's literally in the same camo shirt no yeah, he is he's got the camo shirt on in his driver's license that he's seen in the surveillance footage shopping in and then it, he's he's got a toyota yaris registered to his name and that's what's in the surveillance footage as he drives through okay. Too. he really didn't care like <laughs> he was what like he's like it's me yes
1: yeah i second. am the guy yeah i'm who you're looking for officer thank you it's yeah. like people with like like i have such prominent tattoos like i would never be able to commit a crime because immediately you would be like that girl right there got her
2: like <laughs> <laughs> tattoo you see it on trail the so they like freeze the footage <laughs> yes um Okay, so they know they need to question him. Um, the man seen on the on the security footage is 30-year-old Matthew Hoffman. Um, he works as a tree trimmer in the area. Um, is this like what one of Dexter's episodes was like based off? Well, um, I guess
1: Seasons was based off of it. It was like palm tree um, cutter. I don't know. Sorry. Oh my. Yeah, and he was like crazy. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, Matthew Hoffman. All right.
2: I will say truth is stranger than fiction. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they, they, um, find him in their database and they actually realize that the Toyota Yaris that he drives was also stopped and like they found, or they, they stopped him in the area that Tina's truck was found. They not only stopped him and like questioned him, like Tina's truck again was found off of the like hiking trail. Mm Mm-hmm. Why was Matthew's story Yaris there? They, you know, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, Oh, I'm waiting for my girlfriend, Sarah. Oh,
1: no. Oh, that gives yeah. me like the creeps. I have like chills.
2: Yeah. Sarah wasn't oh. anywhere to be seen or found. So they're like, Oh, okay, Sarah, like go on. And they like let him go. Okay. Didn't connect the dots. So, of course, they pull him, uh, pull, his, pull his like license and do a background check on him. And they're like, Oh my God, we stopped him. We already stopped him. And he was. Suspicious, clearly now, looking back on yeah. it, Tina's truck. So wow. they yeah, he becomes suspect, prime suspect number one, like right mm-hmm. away. Um, so a little bit about him, right? He is from the area, but he moved away when he was 18 and now he you know he's 30, right? And at this mm-hmm. time. Um, he moved away to Colorado. Uh and when he was in Colorado, again, I like to give you a little bit of background because up to this point he's like a fairly normal citizen like by all accounts like his neighbors think he's kind of like standoffish a little bit sh- strange.
1: Yeah.
2: But uh not like they're not like scared of him or something. So yeah. in Colorado he was a maintenance man and a plumber. <laughs> As you're like cringing cuz he just has maintenance over.
1: <laughs> That's so crazy though cuz like you have such like access to people's homes in that Situation, but yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. So he actually worked for a con, um, like some condos, and he was into bur- burglarizing the condos. But he gets scared. He's like, "Oh, I left my fingerprints and evidence all over this." So of course, this sounds totally reasonable. Not he dumps gallons of gas and burns the condo building. um It caused two million in damages, and there were sixteen people living in the building. Like he like burned this place like up. But they escape unharmed he goes to prison, he's serves around eight years, that's which I feel like is pretty good for like, you know, arson, and burglary burglary. Yeah. 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 Um, and clearly like, if that's your rationale, like, Oh, I, I might be caught for bur- burglarizing. Like, I don't know what he could have stolen, but definitely like adding arson on top of that does not make any sense. So clearly he has like a, a background of, um, I don't know, criminal behavior and, mental health issues. So he gets on parole though. And he moves back to Ohio. They transfers parole to Ohio. So by all accounts, like now it's 2007, he moves back to Mount Vernon, gets a job as a tree trimmer. He has a girlfriend. He, so he has neighbors of course, but he, um, when he moves in, he goes and takes like a dish over to the neighbors, introduces himself. Like, so it's very small town, like that he dated the neighbor's stepmom's best friend. That kind of small town so okay yeah, yeah. I, fr- I i lived in that kind of small town so right. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so um he has a girlfriend moves in with him she has a small child too she has a son um and around like the fall though like this has happens in october um mm-hmm. and okay so tina and all of this is happening in november but october 24th so shortly before this happens is when mm-hmm. shit kind of hits the fan for matthew he loses his job he gets in an argument with his girlfriend she's scared for her life she goes and um, reports that um, he choked her and that's why she and her son move out and they're gone she's scared of him Um, and so he loses his job his car gets repossessed he becomes really distant and angry and that's kind of when the neighbors see a change Um, he was already a little bit odd and strange like they had said He would, like, sit in the backyard, climb this tree. Uh, He's a tree trimmer, so he's, like, the...
1: (laughs) He's practicing his tree (laughs) climbing (laughs) in the backyard.
2: I know. But they were, like, like, obsessively trim this tree, and he would sit up there and, like, look over in the backyard. Like, he would just be outside way too much. Um, And then he was also known... This is creepy and sad, of course. He's known for trapping and killing squirrels. Um, So... I also say it's sad because they think a little bit um, of the reasoning behind that too, is um, that he was so like out of money and that he couldn't afford to eat. So he was killing, trapping and eating these squirrels. Um, and yeah, that's just like kind of how destitute the situation had become. Mm-hmm. So- a, a, a lot of people like, eat squirrels it's not like i don't know i think that's fair if you're like hunting them
1: to hunt them to I hunt, like yeah but like that's that desperation of him having to eat the squirrels so yeah that's really yeah. rough yeah
2: so did he still have his like girlfriend and live in like live no. In- no so all no. of this okay. kind of happened october 24th is mm-hmm. when his girlfriend reports that she was cho- that he tried to choke her, choked her. Okay. and then she's like i'm out of here moves her and her son out he loses his job. His car gets repossessed. And that's when he's like running out of money and the yeah. Yeah, extreme okay. behavior gets stranger. Yep. Got it. So, okay. Now you're kind of caught up to speed. Like now they know they're looking for Matthew Hoffman and they know he is clearly like prime suspect and they have to call in the SWAT team. They're not just going to like go knock on his door. They actually get a no knock warrant. Um, and so at 8am on Sunday, November 14th, they ram the door and They go in, they actually throw in a (laughs) flashbang. Like they, they, they like went in full force Um, and they find him on the couch. And some reports say like holding a knife and not just like a knife, like a big knife. Um, They take him into custody, but they're also like from the reports I've read, they are so concerned. The actual um, SWAT team is concerned because there are piles mounds of leaves like sometimes three foot deep i'm going to show you a picture and they are really worried that there could be the bodies under these leaves there are leaves in his living room there are leaves in his bathroom there are leaves everywhere in the house you have to see it to believe it like you can open up hoffman's house too so you can see his house first like it's a pretty n- normal looking house for the area outside inside looks insane it's like three foot piles of leaves and, and then in the bathroom, if you open up the bathroom uh, photo, those are. I had I had to like do a double take when I first heard of, heard this mm. and learned about this case. You're like, what is this? There are bags, Walmart bags, Kmart bags, Meyer bags of leaves. It's all leaves, and they're like kind of in an organized way against the wall. Like, yeah, that's the weirdest thing I've ever wall. seen. That's so strange. Why bathroom?
1: So. In the in the living room there's like is that like a trampoline against the wall?
2: I have no idea what that is. It's a very strange setup. It does look like something like a trampoline, but then you can see there's like from when they break in that's a huge pile of leaves. And that's why they were concerned like is are there the bodies under these leaves? Wow. Yeah. So no, but still there weren't there were not bodies under the leaves. They are still looking for everybody. And there's no one on the main level of the house. And so they're searching the house and they find like a cabinet that's barricading a door. And they go down, um, they, they open the door and that door goes to a basement. So this is the scene they walk into. It's in the basement, more leaves, of course, but also what they find is Sarah. They found Sarah alive. Stop! alive in the basement on, like, a bed of leaves. He made a bed for her out of blankets, I guess, um, over piles of leaves. And he thought, like, that would be comfortable for her and that she was, like, good with it. Like, I'm not going to read all of his statement because it's, in my opinion, it's, like, deranged. It's it's really ridiculous that he thought he was, like, being so great to her. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah, they find her alive and in good condition, like considering the circumstances. She's not been like physically abused, but she has been sexually assaulted. She was raped. She's found bound and gagged. So she's not there like no hanging Volunt- out like he no. voluntarily like and she's got a white plastic bag. That's how she's taken out of um his house. Like she's in her sweatshirt. She's got a white trash bag around her like a ma- around her legs, like mm-hmm. holes cut out, like makeshift diaper. Yeah. Um, and she just said, like, when she was led into the basement, it was total darkness. So she was just kept in the basement since um, would have been Wednesday night. Man. Hmm.
1: So Wednesday night and then they, they get her what day again? Sunday.
2: Sunday. So she was like there for four days. So. Oh, yeah. Like four full days. Yep. Um, but they don't find anybody else. And she had been asking him, like, what do you do <clears throat> to my mother and my, and my brother? And he's like, he's not going to tell her. He said, if I tell you, I'll kill you. So he doesn't tell her. Um, but clearly she at the scene, like had heard what she heard. She knew that it was unlikely that they were going to find them alive. Mm. um and i've seen her interviewed a couple of times it's actually really interesting there's um chris hansen interviews her oh Um, yeah yeah so that's um probably one of the more recent interviews she's also appeared on dr phil um and spoke about it but she and this is totally her prerogative like she will talk about everything except for the rape and again she was 13 so Oh, um, oh And at first, like normally they don't release the names of, um, rape victims mm-hmm. anyways. And also she's a minor, but because they thought she was a missing person, um, they of course were looking for her. So she's yeah. kind of, like had that, uh, weight on, like had to carry that weight as well. Yeah. Um, so they are looking, why were they looking just for Sarah? Mm-hmm. police uh, and the sheriff um, were looking for Sarah because um, back at the scene, there was um, a footprint in the bathroom of um, a boot, like a women's, a woman's boot. And, okay. and so they actually were able to find the same shoe box. She had the shoebox in her room for, for those boots. And they were like, well, this is like literally what they said. At, she's possibly alive because at least she was still standing So that's why they were looking primarily for Sarah at this point, because again, like the bathroom was such um, a terrible crime scene that they didn't think the others had survived. So when they find, so they find Sarah, of course they take, they had Matthew in, um, uh, in custody for questioning and they're like Mm -hmm. going through the home. Um, Again, like there's no food in the house. Um, Sarah says that she, uh, he was he offered her like a bowl of cereal when she got there and it had rotten milk. And she's like, no, um, and he's like, well, then you can have um, squirrel. And she said she just didn't eat for four days. Yeah, the poor 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 Sarah was in the basement for four days in the darkness. Good. Yep. Yep. And um, so they do find in his house this is all they found besides the leaves. Right. Like um, a couple of red popsicles and two squirrels in the freezer. So he was really um, struggling um, to survive like his own situation at that before all this. Yeah. So they take him in for questioning, obviously uh, into custody more than questioning. Like they want all the details and he's fatigued. He's like non-responsive. He's not cooperating. Um, And he won't reveal like what happened to um, the other three, to Tina, to Cody, to Stephanie, um, so the county and the community like really rallied, they were searching, searching, searching for these missing three. Um, and on this, so that was on Sunday, on mm-hmm. Tuesday, um, three days, two days, however you want to count it after his arrest. And so they don't know right now
1: why he targeted Sarah at all. Like they don't know what the the thought process was. Okay.
2: Just nope, want to make sure. You've okay. never seen him. He's saying, he didn't know them. Um <clears throat> And three days after his arrest, so on Tuesday, um, he's, like, ready to talk uh, because he, he had a nightmare. He had a nightmare that he was in a food processing plant, and he opened up a bag and saw um, a dismembered body. And that's what, like, flashback. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, prompted him to open up. So. He actually, it's interesting when you see the like detectives, the special agent like that interviewed him, when you see the interviews of them talking about recounting this, because it's so strange. It's like um, he wanted to go speak with um, special agent Joe Dietz in the bathroom. So he couldn't be recorded. He's like, I'll tell you, but in the bathroom, he like wanted to not be recorded. So they go to the bathroom. The bathroom, and- they can't
1: take any portable electronic devices or anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, not
2: functioning on all. Yeah years
1: unfortunately it's so oh, yeah.
2: calculated and yet it's so
1: miscalculated yes just,
2: yeah yes yeah, so strange so he goes to the bathroom and he immediately confesses he's like i killed those people i cut them up i will tell you where they are but on my terms and no remorse and he's like so here's how this is gonna go he says he has a two-step plan he's gonna tell his attorneys where the bodies are hidden yeah and he says to Special Agent Joe Dietz. He's like, then we're going to go for a drive. I'm going to attempt to escape and you're going to shoot me. So he wants suicide by police. And he's like, I don't want to spend my life, the rest of my life in prison because he's already been to prison. It's like for his, you know, arson and burglary. I don't want to go to a mental hospital. He wants to take the easy way out. He's truly a coward. And um, he says, only after my, only after you kill me, only after I'm dead, my attorney, will my attorney reveal where I've hid the bodies. So,
1: So, this is where I get confused with attorney client privilege. Um, Isn't.
2: (laughs) I don't even know if they would, like, even if they made that deal, if they would really, like, um, wait. Obviously, I know they wouldn't kill him. (laughs) So, but the thing is, is they would wait, or they could just attorney like make that deal i wouldn't
1: make that deal i'd be like i don't think i'm gonna go tell the cops right now thank you yeah, for your no, time. Nobody's
2: like, making this deal <laughs> I mean,
1: he doesn't he doesn't have any money so it's like okay what are you bargaining with like i'm not no i'll
2: i'm gonna go tell the cops like i i don't know that's so absolutely strange. yeah they call his bluff they're like we're not making this deal one they're yeah. they're not gonna kill him by suicide by police anyways and yeah. um they know like yeah like you said he doesn't have a like to stand on really and no, he, had two, he had two
1: squirrels in his freezer. So what is he going to do? He's like, I'll, I'll give you the two squirrels that they've definitely confiscated at this point.
2: For- so the only <laughs> card up his sleeve still is he says, just like, fine, never mind. It was just a dream. I don't know where. I didn't do it. I don't know where they are. Oh, yeah. Totally yanking them around. And the victim's families are like that oh. is gut wrenching. They want to oh. know, like, where their family members are. So they don't do the deal. They obviously he's suicidal. So they wrap him up in a a suicide dress, like the vest. They, yep. He's on suicide watch. Um, and the, there's the investigations are like a little bit at a standstill because without the bodies, they know that this murder conviction is going to be a little bit tough. It's not a slam dunk and they want the slam dunk. So they just have the crime scene. And also Sarah doesn't know either. She knows what she heard, but she, um, When she was taken, she's, you know, bound and she has a pillowcase over her head. So she just hears what she hears. Mm -hmm. Um, So the police uh, receive a tip that, you know, maybe he used a fire pit in the neighbor's yard. The neighbors um, in these other neighbors, the neighbor's backyard, um, the neighbors were in Florida. So they had suspected, um, you know, that he used a fire pit. Maybe they should go take a look at that. They investigate the fire pit, but nothing was found. So, you know, they're chasing down all of these leads trying to find yeah. missing three. And it's finally time to discuss with the family, like, what do we do here? What kind of deal can we make with him if if we want him to tell us we're going to have to cut a deal? And the family definitely agrees. They're like, yes, um, they all come to the agreement. The plea deal is if Hoffman tells them where the bodies are, the state will take the death penalty off the table. And okay. I mean... I can be pro for that, like leveraging, like in a death penalty state, like if that's going to get him to talk, he's going to serve the rest of his time in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, then, and anyways, like in Ohio, I had to look this up. Their last execution in Ohio was 2018. Um, so like they were still putting people to death and the mm-hmm. uh, Ohio. The only reason they kind of stopped um, was because Governor Mike DeWine in 2020 was said they don't have enough of the lethal injection drugs to carry out executions like oh because of the shortage so um good for the, like good for the investigation to be able to use as a bargaining chip yeah but we're serious here death penalty is on the table not only is it on the table like that we we follow through so yeah um it made him um strike the deal he's like yep he draws a crude map Uh, Oh, the other part of the deal was, of course, it's prison forever and you can't appeal it. So no parole, no appeals. Um, And after five days in custody, he does confess um, the details. He draws a crude map. um, And in his confession, he says, uh, oh, his only intention was burglary. Like all of this is just like a burglary gone wrong. Uh, And you already asked it. Like I called it too. I was like, this is not a burglary. no. Um, because nothing was taken, and as no. the investigators said, like the only thing taken was these people, yeah. yeah, Sarah,
1: yeah. So, um, this gets- feels like it's got to be like, like, like Elizabeth Smart, you know, like that guy, he must have seen her at some point, he must have had an interaction or something, you know. You always hear about, and it, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but that one smile, that one thing you do, and then that comes back on you with like a stalker situation or something like this, like. There must have been something.
2: And that's what, I mean, he denies it. He says he's never seen them, any of them. It was totally random. And I get that, like, you have to take that with a huge grain of salt. Sarah also says she's never seen him. But the police absolutely agree, like, that this is not random. And that, yeah, it must have been, like, some sort of, um, like, stalking, yeah, situation. Yeah. Predator situation. Yeah. So what happens is, um, this is what he... um Confesses on Tuesday, November 9th, This gives me the creepy crawlies. He spent the night in a sleeping bag outside their home because it's again like kind of a wooded area, a little bit. Oh my sleeping god! Watching their house on Tuesday night. Um, and w- on Wednesday morning, he sees you know Greg leave. He sees Pina leave. He sees the kids leave for school. He thinks the house is empty, so he breaks in through the garage, mm. and he gets excited by remaining in the house um, when he knows he shouldn't be in there. And the only uh, the other piece to this is like it's not just a burglary. he brought a knife, and I had to look this up too. I'm not familiar with weapons clearly he brought a blackjack. do you know what that is? Mm-mm. It's like a small bludgeoning weapon. I had to Google it too. so he's bringing weapons into a house if he's committing burglary that it's not like that does yeah. not add up for me mm-hmm. um. So he's in the house. He's actually in there for a decent amount of time um, because they left in the morning, you know, to go to school, um, presumably like before eight. And then Tina comes home and they know of an approximate time because she there was a receipt um, in a grocery bag in the kitchen that was marked around noon. So he like went in and hung out until she was there at noon. Um, so Tina goes into the home and is um, he says that he was interrupted in the burglary um, and that's why he like tries to bludgeon her. Well, then Stephanie's coming in after her, you know, um, and sees like that he's in the house attacking Tina. And so um, Hoffman first stabs Tina and then Stephanie. Mm. Um, and it's presumed at that at that time, like that that's when they did die. Um so again, it's probably closer to like noon, okay, or shortly after, because um, that's when the receipt was. So, yeah, he he says he did it because he was confronted, like during burglary. But clearly, he was like awaiting and waiting in their house.
1: Yeah. Well, then here's the other thing too. It's like okay, she and you hear about that. That's um, that is extremely dangerous. You, you come home during your burglary or like you're home when they come to rob you. Then yes, like a lot of people do die that way. But it's like. He wouldn't have waited them for the kids to come home from school. Like that's where he's did are... murder, and then he's going to stick around. Yeah, for the kids to come home. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like a oh my god, I've been caught, quick kill, and leaves and takes you know whatever he had on him at that point in time. It's like no, nope, I guess I'm sticking around. Like he he was definitely he targeted Sarah. Like I'm a hundred percent convinced on that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, again, he waited around, like you said, till they were out of school and the children come home from school. And it's horrifying to hear Sarah recount it clearly, because, I mean, to that point, she's just going about her normal day from school. She comes home and she she says she looked down at her shoe and there was blood on her like under her shoe, like she's stepping on blood from the front, you know, like in near the front door. And so she's looking for her mom and she says the man comes out quickly um, out of nowhere and grabs um, her brother. Oh. And she runs to her room. She runs to her room and she dials nine one one, but she says she didn't hit talk. Like you know, oh, no. her. she yes. she thought he would kill her. Um. So, and all of that, you know, has to happen like so so fast. He busted down her door, ties her up, threatens to kill her. He bounds her legs and arms and throw, puts a pillowcase over her head, takes her. I think it was to the kitchen. Uh, So walks her like back down the hallway. She says at that time, she hears a terrible sound from the bathroom. It sounds like a screech on the chalkboard. Um, And in her mind, she knew that that was him killing her brother. Um, And she knew at that point that he had killed her mother already. Mm. Um, And so she hears the scream and nothing after that. So in his confession, he does admit to dismembering Cody and Tina and Stephanie and filling trash bags with their remains and Sarah's still held captive like again trying to like put together different timelines she's he, they're all still at the house like yeah not quick and he loads her yeah. in the car with the bodies she's got her the pillowcase over her head so she's like laid down she thought it was on a tarp but it was actually on those their their bodies Man. And um, he takes her. So she says they drive for a while, like a a while. Um, He takes her to his house. He takes her down to the basement. He takes a pillowcase off. That's when she realizes she's going down into a a dark basement and there's a bed of leaves with some blankets. And he says, This is where you're going to sleep. And I've like cut this down and cut this out so much because again, I don't want to give him credibility. Like he. His statement is like, he thought she was comfortable. He says he let her play Wii video games and watch Iron Man movies. And like, absolutely not. She sees like, murdering
1: yeah. her family and putting her on top of their bodies. Even if he did do any of that, like, fuck him. Like, no, no, yeah.
2: There's no evidence that he did do any of that. Clearly there's no food in the house. Like, cause he said mm-hmm. hamburgers for that, for her. Like, no, she's like, I got offered a bowl of cereal with rotten milk. And then I stayed in the basement.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: he said he promised her that he she would be okay and that he would be let her go. Um, you know, after there was some ransom, like th- it doesn't make any sense. Like he yeah. ordered her family and he thinks there's going to be like ransom and she's going to be home by Christmas time. Like it doesn't make any sense. So he said he's planning on giving her more freedom until she ran away. Like that was his plan for letting her go. That's his statement. Clearly that's, I'm so thankful that the police and the investigation happened. Four days seems mm-hmm. like hell, a yeah. hell of four days. That's, I'm, that's actually very quick for them to like figure all this out. And like, again, they hit it lucky when they found that surveillance footage, when they found that receipt, yeah. they started putting things together. So, and mm-hmm. the same shirt as his driver's license, like there's an element of luck for the investigators. So, for sure. Yeah. So, like again, they're saying to Hoffman, like, okay, as part of the plea deal, you have to tell us where the bodies are. So he draws a crude map, and it leads to, I think, a Coco thing. I think is how you pronounce it, nature preserve. It's a wildlife refuge. It's about 20 miles from Tina's house, mm-hmm. um, and he had driven there the night of the murders, which was November 10th. So, in in my in like what I've been able to see, I think he took Sarah to his house and then the bodies, and, mm-hmm. and took the bodies, um, because. When investigators get to the scene, they know they're looking for a tree. Again, he's, like, pretty obsessed with trees. There's hundreds of trees. It's a nature preserve. But they are able to identify a large beech tree, and it's about 70 feet tall, and the branches split, like how he described. They look up at this tree, and about seven feet up, there's a hole, like a knot hole in the tree. Okay. Yep. And they peer into the hole, and they see trash bags in the tree. Yeah. So they bring a tree surgeon in to um, like, they cut like a square around the knot hole so mm-hmm. they can recover the bodies out of the tree. And I've seen those crime photos of them, like, you know, opening up the tree and removing the remains. And it's just horrifying. Like, and Chris in the investigation, like in his um, episode of this, He asked, like, what image sticks with you? And clearly, like, the investigators are, like, yeah, opening up those bags and seeing 11-year-old Cody, like, sticks with them. Yeah. So, um, Hoffman, of course, when he's, like, telling them this, do you think he's showing any remorse? Of course not. he, Mm -hmm. this is, he wants to make sure the trees are unharmed, the trees unharmed. Yeah, so as part of the deal, like they said, oh, we won't harm the tree. Um no, they cut it down two days later after they were oh, done in the beginning They're like, this Stop is not a public like place, a yeah. public article. Good for them. But yeah. they took pictures back to Hoffman, like of when they cut, I'll show you the picture in a second when they cut the square in the tree, they like put the, put it back as it was so they could take a picture and show him. And that that they say that's the only point in the interviews when he would like actually light up. He was like, "Is the tree okay?" Basically.
1: What a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh wow, it's like a,
2: a full size. Wow. So, not a square. Yeah, to, yeah. So and that's seven feet up. Like it's. I've heard different accounts of how they think. Like that's three. three two adults and one child uh, of remains worth that he was trying to put into this tree.
1: How did he get them inside the tree?
2: So there's a, again, like, because they were dismembered, like, he squeezed them through the knot hole. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. So. Small hole, like, the the hole that he got them. I wonder how, like, how did he think all this up? Because obviously he's not, there's something extremely wrong Mm-hmm. Um, how did he come up with all of this? And like on spur of the moment, absolutely not. I don't think this is a burglary gone wrong at all.
2: I don't think it's a burglary um, gone wrong. I don't know if he picked this tree or not. Like he's pretty obsessed with trees. He says he thought it was like a sacred burial ground and that's why he didn't want the tree disturbed. And like, no. Um. So, they they do go ahead and charge him. He gets charged with ten counts. Pleads guilty to ten counts. Um, they're like everything from aggravated murder, gross abuse of a corpse, clearly burglary, yeah. kidnapping, rape. His bail set at a million. As it should right. be, he's not getting right. out. He's, he's got gets sentenced. Pleads guilty. Gets sentenced to life without parole. And of course, like this behavior is so disturbing, authorities you can't say definitively that he's never killed before. Clearly, he yeah. like. In prison before with for arson and burglary, um, yeah. but they can definitely say if he hadn't been caught, if he hadn't confessed or been caught, he would have done it again. This isn't oh, yeah. random act, as you've mentioned. Like this was mm-hmm. definitely very intentional and targeting. And um, there's a forensic pathologist that I um, read a little bit about. Like, yep, the term for what he has is dendrophilia, where it's like an obsession with trees. Okay. So back to like the Lee, he was a tree trimmer by trade. And then he's like sitting in his backyard tree all the time, trimming, and then he's collecting leaves and bringing them back to the house. And then that's why, um, yeah, he ends up at this tree. So, um, this just drove it home for me, like about how much, how little remorse he had. He says, mm-hmm. I wish people would just let this go. It is what it is. Like, huh. It is what it is. Um, yeah. Ev- everyone involved in the case, like he's is says he's a monster. He's evil. He has no conscience. Like that's
1: wild. It's wild that you can just like, I mean, it's the same as Alan Legere saying he just wishes the Miramichi would like forgive him and get over it. Like it happened. And let's I just all move just on, let this go. Yeah. No. Wow. So how yeah. do you, I like that makes me think of poor Sarah and like, how do you like, i i so many people i don't know right have,
2: yeah more on this for you so of course yeah where yeah. sarah um one more thing about the leaves in the house they also think maybe because he has that history of arson mm-hmm. he may have thought like ahead pre-meditated that yeah, yeah he's not gonna get away with this so, like the leaves were arranged in the house in a way that like if he would have ignited it he could have totally that place down very quickly. So they were thinking that it could have been used for fuel. Um, and others. Were- they
1: found Sarah, like in that four day period, because God only knows, like, you know, if he'd set that place on
2: fire, she's, she was gone. Yeah. Or taken her somewhere else or anything. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. Very timely and urgent that, um, that they found her. Um, mm-hmm. Some sources also said again, when he was found and um, like, like, uh, I would say question, but not really like when he was just documented loitering around Tina's truck. Remember when he was like, Oh, I'm waiting for my girlfriend, Sarah, um, that there may have been gasoline with him at that point. Like maybe he was there and had like looking back on it, maybe he was there to torch Tina's truck. Um, uh, yeah. because again, of his history of arson. So who knows? Um, but like crazy that they did find him at the scene. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, where is Sarah now? She'd be 24. She's 24. Um, I've seen a couple interviews, as I mentioned. She was on Dr. Phil um, when she was 15. So that'd be back in like 2013. Mm -hmm. um, Speaking um, about, you know, her um, harrowing experience. She wrote a book um, with her, her like, biological dad, Larry. Mm -hmm. Um, After all of this, she had been, you know, of course, living with her mom. Um, She goes, she lives with her dad, Larry. And um, his... Uh, I think like yeah his wife. Um, and in 2013, as if she hadn't been through enough, um, she, both him both Larry and Tracy, her stepmom and her father are charged um, with domestic um, assault and violence. like uh, she reported that I think he punched her in the head or something like that. Uh, let me look. Yeah. yeah, that he punched her that he punched her in the back. And that um, Tracy kicked her down a flight of stairs.
1: Oh my god! It's like she can't catch a break. Like this is so horrible It's horrifying. Uh, the whole the whole thing is horrifying.
2: Yeah. So oh. that was in May of 2013, and like of course, mm. takes time and um, for justice. And so in September 2013 um, is when his charges, Larry and Tracy's charges, came up um, in Knox County, and um, she wasn't going to testify. She she didn't have to testify. They actually. Um, dismiss the charges and they were like, Hey, you need some parenting classes. So yeah, he gets court ordered parenting classes, a psychological assessment and some counseling. Wow. Um, Yeah. That seems horrifying. Yeah. um, To me like been through so much in any ways, like even if she hadn't kicking a child down the stairs, like it sounds like you need more than parenting classes, but Yeah, she goes and lives with her her grandma, so her her mom's mom, um, her maternal grandma. After that ordeal, Um, and then after that, when she's around eighteen, I know she's not a minor anymore. At least um, Mm -hmm. is when Chris Hansen interviews her. So she's like continued to like make um, appearances from time to time, but again, like in all respect of her privacy, like she's like rebuilding her own life, Um, and not to end on a a downer like I think she's really such a traumatic experience like gone through such a traumatic experience in 2019 so the most recent thing I can find on her she was part of a panel um organized by Elizabeth Smart so, oh wow yeah it like gives me chills like yeah you're saying this is like Elizabeth Smart yeah um, because a victim of kidnapping that is actually recovered and returned like only other victims like that can understand so she yeah. um, is part of this panel, and the panel's like a super panel of um, survivors: Gina de Dehus- de Jesus, Jesus yeah, yep. um, Denise Huskins, Katie Beers, uh, and more. And the reason that they were had this panel like organized um, was to share advice for Jamie Closs. Um, oh
1: wow! Yeah. Oh, just chills like all over my body right now. Oh, that's so powerful.
2: I absolutely because they all opened up their own personal um, trauma and wounds to be able to offer support to Jamie. So, um, yeah, so
1: amazing.
2: Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I mean, I know it's like such a harrowing story and like Sarah Mm -hmm. is such an amazing survivor. Like again, she just wants, when I saw her interviewed, it was way back when she was on Dr. Phil, like she just wanted to go, um, to school at Mm -hmm. uh, Florida. She wanted to start a normal life and, um, yeah. Just wanted happiness. So yeah. Oh, said, yeah. Quite the journey. Quite the journey. I like, I don't even know, especially
1: with someone that's not even taking accountability for what they've done. I like, I don't, I don't know how you even rationalize it. So I, gosh, I'm glad that um, she was a part of that panel though, and that she has connections oh. to others that have been in unfortunately a similar situation because Wow wow and it really does it speaks volumes about um those individuals that are able to like share their trauma and you know speak on it and try to help others in the same situation that's it's so powerful
2: yeah Yeah, absolutely. So for today's cause, I wanted to pick something um, that could kind of resonate. I know like Sarah's trauma is very specific, um, but there's a lot going on in the world. So gun violence, coronavirus, uh, anxiety, depression, suicide, like all of those Um, are still really prevalent. So whether you're experiencing that or you want to volunteer, donate, offer support, um, I found a great cause, crisistextline.org. In the US and in Canada, you can actually just text HOME to 741741 or you can go online to crisistextline.org and yeah, learn more about their organization because they offer all kinds of different support or can help um, get you um, to the right place to get the support you need. Um, and again, from the other side, like back to Sarah, like con- um, re-contributing um, cont- back. Um, this is a great organization. And so there's information for volunteers and don- donating as well. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to pick that cause because they have such great resources on there. That's an amazing cause. Do we know um, how Greg is?
1: That's such a random person to ask about. But
2: oh my gosh, I know what happened to Greg. No, What I happened to Greg? You know? Yeah, that that's. Um, I didn't find any information about him. I know, like obviously, was suspect number one. Like right when they couldn't find him first, and how upsetting
1: because I mean, obviously they've been together a while. If they're living together too, I mean, you know, he probably thought of those kids as his kids. You
2: know, at some point, and I just I mean, they were going through a breakup. So it's not to say that they weren't. I mean, obviously, very traumatizing for anyone that's near to these families. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, like he was suspect number one because it was when she was supposed to be leaving him.
1: So thank you for that horrifying. (laughs) It was horrifying. (laughs) I think home invasions are something that always has kind of like terrified me. And for it to be so random, that is really
2: um, wow. Yeah. You mentioned Elizabeth Smart. Like it's random, but it's Mm -hmm. not because he targeted her. And they so like, will never admit that he's like no, yeah. It was just a house, and they came home and interrupted the burglary.
1: Like no. Yeah. So here's another random question: Do we know if he's gotten any mental health at all or help at all while he's been in prison? Is that something that he's doing at all, or do we know anything? Um,
2: um, I don't know about that. I mean, I know that I've read he's like shown no remorse. Um, I don't know what kind of care he's ha- has to participate in, but um. Yeah. I didn't look too deep because honestly I kind of feel like he's.
1: Yeah. Like fuck him. But, but I, I'm just wondering if like in the future, maybe like maybe we would get more answers, you know, like, I was like, why the fuck did this happen at all? But anyways. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I found as like a possible small explanation was that clip that I was sharing with you where there's like a forensic psychologist explaining that like, Hey, in psychopaths, they have the smaller amygdala in their brain And that means like they don't get the same adrenaline rush from things like she's like, you could go skydiving and you're not going to get the same adrenaline rush or like you're going to get a small one. So they have to commit these like extreme um, crimes to get that rush. And that's like why he was like hanging out in the house and getting um, like sexually excited about being at their house and, you know, waiting for them.
1: Yeah. Oh, how awful. Oh, next your turn. I know. Next is my turn. Thank you for sharing like the resources and for sharing a story with us. Like I haven't um I'd never heard of that actually like at all. That's so wild. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I know for myself since transitioning to a working from home environment, the importance of taking care of your own mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist.
2: You'll be mastered as a therapist in under forty-eight hours.
1: Now, it's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime, day or night, to message your therapist. It's more affordable than traditional
2: in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. You can visit their website and read other clients' testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com I-T-T, that's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for listeners of Innocent Told Tipsy, you can go to their
1: website and get an additional 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com
2: slash ITT. That's betterhelp.com slash ITT. Um, how did you hear about that? So I lived in the area shortly, like a couple years after this happened. I'm not in Mount Vernon, but I've been there yeah. because it's outside of Columbus. And um, yeah I just like lived in Columbus briefly and then actually mm-hmm. someone that I worked with so this is like not documented anywhere this is how I heard about it she was like you know of course true crime junkie was like oh talking about so she's like have you heard about what happened here I'm like what happened here and um, she had worked in a call center mm-hmm. taking a break like during this time because she like the community was you know oh yeah like, like um of searching for everyone um, she had taken a break from the call center drove to a park because there's some, like like, what do you go get a Coke at like the gas station or something? She goes takes a break at a park and she sees like a man coming towards her. And at that time they were like on high alert of like suspicious people, uh, strangers. And she's like on the phone with her mom. And she's like, Hey, there's a man approaching my vehicle. And she's like, I got the hell out of there. And she's like, later on, she's like, I, she's she's, like, I swear to this day, that's who it was. That was like, you know, out wondering. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, I have to look at, look into this because the details are so yeah I mean truth like I said truth is stranger than fiction and when you mentioned Dexter I'm like yeah maybe because yeah
1: I'm, I'm now wondering when Dexter was released because I think that was the first season they had like this palm tree killer mm-hmm.
2: like he was a tree
1: trimmer killer um but that's so it's so wild it's so unfortunate and um yeah I hope that Sarah's you know doing better and I'm glad that she has a support system
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. oh how was your wine um, oh, my wine's really good. I did, like. Yeah. I got caught up. I didn't even drink that much of it, but. Mm. Mm. So nice time. Time. Cheers! Cheers. Ahora Media Production.